Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. I'm so glad you've joined me today. It is April 17th. I had an entire podcast that I sat down, started recording it. I was trying to tell you the whole entire story of how I came to have a Layens hive with bees in it and how I came to be head over heels in love with a Layens hive, except for the frame incompatibility. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about all that. But anyway, I recorded this whole podcast just trying to tell you the story and it was so all over the place and back up and oh wait, let me tell you about this that I just had to trash it and I'm going to try again on that. So today we will see if I can stay focused enough <laughs> to talk to you about record keeping. And in my typical fashion, I have to confess that the whole idea of what I thought I was going to talk to you about and what through the winter I kept saying, okay, I'm going to talk to him about record keeping. Well, I changed all that because how I've kept records has really varied. In my attempt to emphasize simplicity and enjoyment of life this year, I am trying to be more laid back about things. And it's funny because there was a podcast, Stuart Spinks, Beekeeping Short and Sweet, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, he did a whole episode on record keeping. And he mentioned that used to he and he's a larger commercial beekeeper that used to he kept all these very detailed hive by hive records. And it finally dawned on him after a while that he didn't actually use that information. And he switched to a more he, he does it more on an apiary level, each apiary kind of has its own uh, note. And that rang a bell with me because it is true, I realized over the years that I used to write all this very detailed information. And maybe when you new, maybe that's important, you know, because you're, you're really getting to know things. And I know that a lot of the things you can find online, a sheet that says something like, you know, hive inspection log, I've, I've seen many of these, or something that they give you in B school, you know, and it's, it's like a notebook page for each hive. And it's got lots of details, like each inspection, you know, how many frames of brood, how all this kind of stuff. And Again, maybe that's useful when you're new. I'm just not sure. I know that over the years, for me personally, I've really simplified the whole process down to there are a few things I need to know about that hive. One of the main ones is when I was in there last, because that lets me know when I need to do something else. And in swarm season, of course, you know, if 10 days goes by and I haven't looked at a hive and it's a hive that big enough to swarm, then that, that could be an issue. But I think a lot of it is that over the years, my inspections have changed. Maybe that's the root of the thing. Used to, I would go through a hive frame by frame and look at every single frame because I was getting to know what it looks like. And you can look at a thousand pictures, but then when you start taking apart the three-dimensional hive, it feels different because you are not looking at a flat picture. You're you're looking at this shape uh, that is three-dimensional in space, and, but you're taking it out slice by slice, you know, so so your experience of it is, is different. And I really emphasize that as you're doing that, really try to remember, like as you take a frame out, you know, you are taking a slice out of a circle and it, and the circle's in a square box. So it's geometrically, I think, challenging at first. But later on, you get to where you just, you know about where that cluster is in the stack of boxes. You know, when you're looking at it, you know how many boxes you're just going to have to pull off the top and set aside to get down to the brood nest, or you think you know, and then sometimes you open it up and they're doing something entirely different. Actually, not sometimes, many most of the time <laughs> you open it up and they're doing something entirely different than what you thought they would be doing at that 
exact moment. When you get in there, you can quickly adapt to where you are, where you are in relation to the brood nest, where you are in relation to the stores. And so, for example, I noticed when I was doing a mentoring session the other day that I noticed that that when I opened the box, I was just ready to dive into exactly where I wanted to, you know, in the box. But the formal way, of course, is to take out that outside frame, which which is always important and which I do do because I want to give myself that room that I can move the frames around and not hurt anybody. We were doing just an an early spring inspection and checking on the queen and everything. And basically, when I got to the part of the brood nest where I saw multiple stages of brood, I saw very tiny open brood, um, some eggs, and it all looked good and healthy. And it looked distributed in a way. I didn't see any backfilling. Then to me, I was done, you know, because this time of year, that's all I need to know. Because I know the age of most queens in my yard, then I can either treat them on the high risk swarm category, which would be a two year old queen, or the lower risk category, which would be a queen that was mated late summer of last year. So this year, this is her big year. You know, this is her big year. And she probably won't get too swarmy until later in the season at at worst. But if you have a queen that started out, you know, maybe she was mated this time last year, then she has done the full rotation of the cycle and the calendar. And she's going to be high risk for wanting to get out of that box and get to the trees and make another hive. So anyway, back to record keeping. (laughs) Since I've, the way I inspect has changed, then the way I keep records has changed over the years. The one thing that I will say, I've seen people uh, keep records various ways, like Saturday, April 17th. I looked in hive A, I saw this. I looked in hive B, I saw this. And the problem with organizing it by date is When you need to figure out something quickly about Hive B, then you have to look back through in all your notes and flip pages and go, okay, how far back do I go? You know, when was the last time I was in here? So the one thing I would say has stayed uh, reliable and that I can vouch for is to have a page. And by that, I mean, in whatever fashion, it could be an index card, it could be an actual piece of paper in a notebook or a clipboard. It could be a page in whatever electronic note-taking device you're using. And I've been through a lot of them. (laughs) I think I've done all of those. My problem with an actual notebook is, um, well, let me go back. Each hive has its own page. And that way you can look down and you can go, okay, I checked this hive first on March 15th. And then, you know, two weeks later, I checked this hive and this is what I saw. There are a couple things that I think are handy to write down every single inspection. And I mean, if you're going in there, it's it's good to note it. And that is, did you see brood approximately how much? I mean, you know, some people will go into counting the sides. I don't really, you know, if I look down in there and I found the edge of the brood nest and what's my cue? Probably because there's a frame of pollen. Once I find that big, beautiful frame of pollen, then probably the next frame in, I'm going to hit brood. I can start the brood nest inspection. So if each hive has its own page, that way when you are looking at that hive, if for whatever reason out on the fly, you need to look back and see, well, when did I last see my queen? You know, that type thing. Noting if the hive is queen right to me, is one of the number one things that you keep in your records. And you don't have to actually see the queen. In fact, uh, that would be more rare than just seeing eggs or very tiny 
tiny open brood. The next thing I like to note every inspection, every time I glance in there, is how the brood looked. You know, did it look plentiful? Did it, I mean, did, are they just like busting? They're doing great, beautiful brood pattern. Or do they look kind of iffy? You know, maybe there's not as many bees as you thought there would be. And maybe the brood pattern doesn't look quite right. You're assessing the health of the colony when you look at the brood pattern. Also, I'm just putting this into words, I think, for the first time here, so bear with me. I think you're also assessing where in that life cycle of the year is that particular colony. Because, wow, have I seen some differences in uh, this year in colonies. Anybody who is starting for the first time with a package or even a nuke, it is so different than an overwintered, robust, overwintered hive. I mean, there is no comparison. They're just, they're just busting out of the box. They're just busy. They're working. They're bringing in pollen. They're looking for nectar, even though we don't really have a ton yet. We got dandelions. That's about, about it. And a few other little flowering things. But those overwintered hives are just huge and thriving compared to anything that you started with, if you started with this year, or even, um, even when you, when you make a split. But in record keeping, the presence of a queen, if it's queen right, you know, and I, you develop little abbreviations. So in my notebooks or my e-notebook, as I'll get to later, you know, if I put QR, Q, that means Queen Wright saw the Queen. That's all I need to put, QR, Q. Or I can put QR, E, and that means Queen Wright saw eggs. Anything that sort of strikes my eye, I will definitely make a note of, like, something's not right. Or they are just busting. Keep an eye on this one for space. That type thing. Any sign of disease. Once you're more experienced, then you'll know what you're seeing. Any sign of disease, I make a big note in my notebook. Because basically, I don't want to raise more from those bees. What I'm looking for to raise more of, even on my tiny micro level, is bees that are just robustly healthy despite whatever the world is throwing at them. <laughs> that is the line of bees I want. That is my priority. If they are great honey producers, yay. I do want them fairly nice. I can tolerate a little a little hot sauce, but not hot. I, I don't want that. So, so anyway, if any sign of disease basically is a big old X in my notebook because that's not one I want to reproduce from. And it's one that depending on what I'm seeing, I might even want to be careful with I don't want to pull population from them for splits if they don't if they don't look good. If the brood pattern like later in the season in particular is starting to look kind of iffy, then I want to look in my notebook and, and see when did they last have a brood break if since that's one of my main tools. And if they haven't had a brood break in a while, then I want to go ahead and schedule that and begin getting in position to do that. So in terms of what you put in your notebook, it's what you need to know and what you're actually going to use to make decisions. Now, when you're new, you're not really sure what you're going to need because, and I'll tell you this, this happens all the time. And I, I feel bad whenever I do it to people because a new beekeeper will say, I looked at my hive and I saw this. And uh, the experienced beekeeper will say, was it queen right? Um, did you see open brood? Did you see queen cups? Did you see queen cells? Did you see, you know, we'll ask all these questions and you could tell the beginners like, um, you know, they, they stopped, they saw that one thing, whatever caught their eye <laughs> and 
that's the thing they're asking about. But as you get more experience, you begin to know that all these things, it's, it's a cue to look deeper and to look at the context of what you're seeing. For example, if I go into a hive and I see just a few, a few to several frames of bees, that's the whole hive. At the end of winter, depending on what's been going on, that might be normal. That might be great. However, if I see a few frames of bees in this hive and then the next hive has several boxes of bees and them at similar places in their yearly cycle, then that's like a huge signal. Something's not right with this hive. You know, did they swarm? Do they have disease? What is going on? So that's another thing. The great thing about the comparing, if you, let's just say, for example, if you've started three packages this year, then If one of them is twice the size of the other two, you can think, oh, okay, this this one's a real star. On the other hand, if one of them is a quarter the size of the other two, you're like, this one is not doing so good. You know, what's the difference? So comparing the hives to the other hives in the yard, and this is something that more sideline or commercial beekeepers kind of automatically do. And that's what um, Stuart Spinks was talking about, you know, when they treat it as an apiary. So for example, they roll into a certain apiary all those hives were started with about the same bees or came to that yard the same number of frames of bees they have been obviously in the in the same flow and so you will begin to in any one that's radically different than every other hive in that apiary is going to stand out as either what's going right with this one or or what's going wrong. Are these my super bees or are these bees way behind everybody else? When you're more of a hobbyist, this includes me, each hive <laughs> probably has its own page in the in the notebook as opposed to each apiary having its page in the notebook. But I'm, I've mentioned to you before that I made a change many years back that has been very helpful for me. And I would say if you're in the category of anywhere from like six to a dozen hives, then then this might might be helpful. And that is, I, I don't name, when I say I name a hive, and I do, I name my hives. I mean, you could put numbers on them, whatever. My my brain remembers words better than, better than numbers. There are positions in my apiary, like for example, in my home yard, in the main electric fenced in to keep the bears out area. It, it can hold about, it could hold eight to 12 hives, although I'm spreading them out a little bit um, further out after listening to Tom Seeley, but I'll talk to more about that. So in the apiary, each hive stand or each spot that there's a hive, um, I have stands that can hold either two or three, and I'm changing more to the two hive stands because I like to work them from the side. But anyway, each spot on my stands has a name. Over the years, you know, I'd name some hive that name, and now it is the spot on the stand that has that name. For example, I have one named Chicory. Whatever hive happens to be sitting in that spot, that's the Chicory spot. Uh, that's the, for the, for the moment, that's the Chicory hive. And in Chicory location, or it could be, you know, location 2B, whatever, that has a page in the notebook. And in my entries, I note who is in that spot. Basically, the queens have a tag that I make for them, either a Sharpie on a cut-up yogurt cup or a sheep ear tag, which I have some of those too. But that queen, if I'm aware of exactly when she was mated, then I assign that number to her. The tag and that number follow her throughout her whole life. The tags are usually 
um, the ear tags for sheep or goats or pigs, those are color coded and I get those to match the queen ear. But if I've just made a makeshift tag, then I just write on there. Uh, her, the, I, I write the color. So it's like 74R. That's for a red year, even if the, t- if, even if the tag is not red. But that lets me know how old that queen is. And that tag follows her through all her days. Now she might move around because maybe I pull her and some staff out to a little nucleus in order to let the hive sitting in the chicory spot, for example, I'm going to let it requeen. So I may have removed her. So in my notebook, now I put 74R is in a nuke box and she is over in the Bama spot. There's a spot named Bama. <laughs> the, the names have come from all different kinds of places. There's a spot named 99, long story. There's a spot named Chapel. There's a spot named East, which is not in the East at all. It was just um, a friend of mine. When I got my first two hives, they were creatively named East and West. <laughs> and so a friend of mine made these little painted signs for me. And so I think I lost the West sign, uh, but the East sign I kept for all these years and I put it on the first hive that I put in the home yard here. And now, even though that, because I've expanded the yard, even though that spot is actually on the Western side of the yard, the spot is still named East. But the important part of what I'm trying to tell you in all this is consider naming the hive location, essentially the stand you know, or the spot that a stand might be in. And that stays consistent. That way you always know you can quickly flip to your page in your notebook or your phone and go, okay, I'm inspecting chicory. This is what's going on with chicory. And then I have a note in there that what queen is currently located there. So for example, in the literal yard right this minute on the chicory spot, there is no queen. They are requeening. So at the top of that page in my phone, it says chicory requeening. Now, right now, the former chicory queen, who is 74R, she was moved to the Bama spot. And so now on the Bama page, it says 74R. And that lets me know that she's actually a retired queen, but she's a great queen, so I hope to make more of her, and that is why I pulled her out of her hive, because she is likely to be swarmy at her age, gave her a little nuke, and then I am in the process of waiting for the remaining hive in the chicory spot to draw out, um, not to draw out, but to finish out queen cells. When those queen cells are finished uh, at day 10, I will go in very carefully pull out frames, see how many queen cells are in there. And hopefully, if I'm lucky, I will divide those frames up in a little queen castle and we'll get some of our first 2021 queens going up in here. I hope that will go well. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But in the meantime, that hive, Chicory, has had a brood break. When they finally get a queen back and when she is laying and she checks out and she's looking good, she will be assigned a tag. And so let's see, this is a white year, if I remember correctly. I haven't gotten any new queen, you know, brand new queens yet, but I believe this is a white year. I'll have to look it up. Um, So she will be some number and W uh, for white. So that's the type of thing that's in each entry, the position of the hive, what queen is, is in there, and then just notes on their general health, where they are, and the big notes that I write in big text or brightly colored ink, whichever I'm happy to be using, is what they need next. Because Sometimes if, you're, if your day is all broken up and you've got a lot of work to do, 
you you know, maybe you get, okay, I've got two hours to go and spend the bees. Then I need to be able to go out there with my notebook and quickly scan and do what needs to be done to each hive instead of trying to figure out what does this hive need. And usually at the end of your inspection or at the end of your reading over and thinking about your inspection, if you're newer, but once you're more experienced, at the end of your inspection, you know what that hive needs and you know about when they're going to need it. And so you make yourself a big note. And that way you can just scan through, check the boxes, do the things, then go do whatever you have to do at the end of the two hours. For that, the keeping the list of what needs to be done next. Now, if there is something that is time critical, for example, the 10 days from when I remove the queen, that I need to go back into that hive and get those queen cells out. Because if I don't, the first one to emerge will kill all of the others and I will only have one queen, which I would like to have more. Or the other alternative is the first one to emerge leaves with a swarm and the second one to emerge leaves with another swarm. And, you know, about the fifth one to emerge, they'll she'll stay with the handful of bees that are left. So I don't want any of that to happen. It is critical that I not space out or forget when is 10 days. I put that on my calendar on my phone that will alarm. It will alarm the day before and that's to remind me to get mentally prepared and to get my equipment together because I'm going to be pulling frames with queen cells and frames with bees out and putting them in a little queen castle to function as as mating nukes. And so those kind of critical dates, I put them in multiple places on my calendar with alarms because I don't want to miss them. Now I've still managed to miss them, but that's my goal <laughs> is to not miss them. And now this brings me to the portion that has changed in in the last few weeks. And that is where I keep my notes. I have tried so many different ways. Like I said, I've tried notebooks, but I don't like that. I mean, I've tried notebooks that the pages are attached. What am I trying to say? Oh yeah, spiral, spiral notebooks. And for me, that didn't work because, you know, maybe I've run out. I, I have more notes on that hive and I can't, I don't want to, you know, have multiple pages. Now I've seen people with three ring binders and and they can adjust their pages and that would make perfect sense if you were keeping it on paper. What worked well for me for a long time was a kind of hybrid system. I had a clipboard that I would take out into the yard with me. And on that clipboard, every couple few weeks or so, I would print out the spreadsheet that I had. Um, Each row was a different hive. I had multiple columns of the different pieces of information. And then I just had one big column at the end that was notes. So what I would do is, and and I made this big so that I could write like, um, um, it wasn't little tiny Excel rows. It was big columns with space. Because what I would do is I would handwrite when I was out there what was going on or what needed to be done. And then in theory, later that night or later, I would transcribe my handwritten notes into the computer on the spreadsheet, put in the needs doing box, what needs doing and what I saw. And I'd put that all uh, not the the needs doing I'd put in big type, but in the the kind of narrative notes on what was going on that hive, I'd, I'd put it in little bitty type because mostly I didn't need that. But it was only if something weird started going on with that hive that I need to look back and go, wait a minute, you know, when's the last time I actually saw this queen or et cetera. And so the spreadsheet thing, it was the system I used for the longest. And when my pieces of actual paper got a, a, a real nerd this way, but I used those four color pens in my day job. And, you know, have red ink and um, green, blue and black. 
And those were very handy on the clipboard because I would associate a color, one of the three colors, red meant, you know, something urgent, but the other three colors, I would associate that with a date I did an inspection on. So I would put up at the top, you know, in green ink, uh, April 1, and that everything in green I knew occurred on April 1. It's funny the weird things you do and like just saying that I'm like, well, that doesn't really matter. But, you know, hey, I, I liked it and it helped me. I'm a very visual person. So it helped me glance at that and figure out when I made that note. But for me, the weak part of that system was the part where I'd be so organized that when I came back in the house, I'd transcribe all those handwritten notes. And what happened more often than not was I'd filled up those pages with handwritten notes and I just needed to, I didn't have time to put in all the entries and I'd just print out another spreadsheet and then I would add more handwritten notes and it was just, it got to be kind of a mess. And sort of like what Stuart Spinks said in his podcast, I found that, you know, a ton of that information I wasn't using. I mean, I was putting a lot of details in there that I wasn't using. I've gotten more and more shorthand as the years have gone by. So then, I guess it was year before last, I added a piece to this. So instead of handwriting on the notebook, I switched entirely to the phone because I always have the phone. I don't lose the phone or if I lose the phone, then it's all in the cloud. And I started using Google Forms and that's a thing where you can make a uh, a box with blanks on it like a, like a survey or something and you can fill in the um fill in the answers and then submit it and then magically it shows up on your Google spreadsheet later on. And so my boxes were like uh what hive location is this? What queen is this? What is the next thing that needs to be done? And then narrative note, you know, whatever was going on. And that worked pretty good. Um I think in theory I had planned to, you know, again go in, edit the resulting spreadsheet and but again that's a, that's where it all breaks down for me <laughs> is the follow through. But what I find on those spreadsheet can sort the sort the column. And so even though all the entries were jumbled up on my spreadsheet, they were just in the order that I submitted them, I could, even on the fly, open up Google Sheets and sort the column. For example, if I was, what the heck is going on with this 22B queen? Then I could sort the column by 22B and I could look at all my entries on, on 22B and see what the heck was going on with her. And that was okay. I, I mean, I think it was okay but it, it it still felt fairly jumbled. Part of me wished for just the old index card days where I would have a, a stack of index card with a rubber band around them, which I've done this too. Each hive has a little index card and you just, you jot notes on. For me, the hard part of that is keeping up with what needs to be done. And that's the thing I, I like about the electronic version. One is it's easy for me to highlight or put at the top or somehow emphasize this is what needs to be done at this apiary the next time I'm there. The other thing that just does not work with me in index cards and, and actually a physical notebook too, is I will lose the darn thing. You know, I will lay it down, I will leave it in the workshop, or I will think, oh, I'm going to look through these in my recliner with a cup of coffee this morning. And then I'll get to the apiary and the stack of index cards are still in the recliner beside the empty cup of coffee. The physical index card notebook thing did not work for me because so the phone, this has got to be my tool for record keeping because it is the thing I can put my hand on anytime I am out 
in the apiary. So last year, I did some experimenting with just a calendar app, and I just happened to use the iCalendar that comes in the iPhone because I don't use it. I use another calendar. So the the iCalendar was just sitting there not being used, and I thought, okay, I'll use it for bees. And what I would do is, whenever I inspected a hive, I would create an event in the calendar. The important part was the title of every event included the queen tag. So for example, 22B. And what that meant is after I entered what happened, then let's say a few weeks later, I was back, I see the queen tag on the hive, 22B, and I'm seeing something that concerns me. I could just do a search in the calendar for 22B, and boom, there are all her past inspection notes. And this wasn't a bad system. I I actually... I kind of liked it. I did miss the feeling of having a cumulative record of that queen or that hive. And also there was the complication of, you know, 22B might be in a different hive now. So I do kind of like the thing where the queen tag and the, the, the hive site that you could search for, for either one of those. And that calendar was a little bit awkward for me. And also I couldn't just look over a hive, you know, look over what they'd done unless I put in, you know, unless I purposefully put in that queen tag and looked her up. And sometimes in the reflection on what's been going on in your apiary is where you learn so much. And that was lacking uh, in that system. At every point in all the different methods I have just told you about, I've thought about, hey, I'm going to sit down and do a podcast for them on this and such method, especially with the Google Forms. You know, I was real excited about that, of the Google Forms and then opening the data in the Google Sheets. I was real excited about that. But I just don't like it. I can't explain why. I still miss the feeling of an index card. I'm old school that way. What I have settled on is the modern version of an index card. This is so simple. And it's so funny because it was on my phone all along. And that is just simply a note-taking app of whatever your preference is. On the iPhone, you know, just the plain old notes app. It is so easy to create a folder that says Hive Records. And in that folder, each note that you put in, you put in a note, and that's the Hive, Chicory. And then on that note, you say who, who the queen is at the time. Like that's something I start off each entry, you know, for every is, is this is, this is what queen is here right now. And then it's just simple. We're back to the simple page in the notebook. We're back to the simple index card for the hive. And then if, if for, I put the queen and the hive site in the title, and so the queen, if I move her around, then I would change the title. Like right now, the hive that's requeening is chicory rq and that means they don't have a a queen right this moment now truth be told i don't use the notes app i I tried it and the only downside to it that i'm not that fond of is that on my particular computers like that's always on my phone but if i happen to be at my laptop i can't get to that there i mean there's a way you can do it but it was just not something I did usually. But probably everybody who uses a online or phone-based note-taking app, you have one that you can look at from anywhere. I mean, it could be a folder in Google Drive. It could be a folder in whatever app you use. I know that Google has a new one, Keep, Google Keep. I checked it out and I, I like it. It's very much like notes, except it is always in the cloud so you can get to it at any time. 
But what I use is a program that I already use in other areas of my life, and that is Evernote. It's Evernote's just a big note-taking or file-saving uh, program, but it is available on whatever device I happen to be using. And it's available in a way that to me is pleasant to look at. That's the thing. <laughs> there are many apps that probably do all the stuff I've talked about really well, but if they're not pleasant to look at and super easy to use and 100% flexible because I have um, unique and maybe odd ways of doing things in my bee yard. So I definitely don't want a template on somebody else's hive inspection thing. And I don't want any of these electronics systems that require me to enter in something, something. I, I just want to jot the notes that I want to jot. I want them to look in a way that that I like to see. And so for me, Evernote works fine. And whatever app you use to do this type thing. So each year, each new season, I create a new page. So I make like a folder, um, Homeyard 2021, and I create a new note for each. So the chicory note, for example. And I just briefly fill in where they are at the start of the season. You know, who's there, what queen. I look back at the old notebook, what queen and what state they're in and start the notebook off there. Now, I happen to make entries backwards, <laughs> so I put the newest entry at the top all the time, and that way it is, uh, what would that be, reverse chronological, That's that that may be a nurse thing, but it's it's reverse chronological. It turns out, this is all I need, and so again, it's really just a glorified electronic index card. I put the same pieces of information that I talked about earlier, just really quick. You know, are they queen right? How do they look? How does the brood look? Any particular issues? At the very top, I put what needs to be done next. And I put, you know, bold and stars, <laughs> anything that will attract my attention or color or whatever to really cue me if there's something critical that needs doing. And if it's time sensitive, I also make myself a calendar entry that will alarm and remind me to do certain things. So can you believe that? Can you believe that all the way around the world and end up back with a glorified index card? <laughs> you know, I've been happy with it. There's all kinds of things you could, on your document. You could put photos. You could do whatever you want. I don't. I just put my usual shorthand and it works for me. And it lets me know what needs doing, what is time sensitive and how they're doing compared to each other and any other notes that that I want to put. Temperament is obviously something that I uh, make a notation of. Usually, actually, there's no note if their temperament's okay. The only real note is if they're, if they're horrible. Then they get the hot exclamation point note, which means I won't be raising too many queens from them. Although I, I confess I have had a couple that were so phenomenal that I'm like, I, maybe I can make them sweeter over a few generations. And as fate would have it, one of my favorite ones this year. They are definitely spicy. Hopefully you got something out of that. I want to close on a couple of things. I have listened to some good podcasts lately. One is uh, the podcast Two Bees in a Podcast. That is the one out of the University of Florida, and I believe it's Jamie Ellis is one of the main hosts. I found one from March 18th that is all about insulating hives. It's a fellow who has done a lot of research. He's pretty much the pro on insulating um, hives. Hesbach, forget his first name. His last name's H-E-S-B-A-C-H, I think. It is great. 
his is the article that I read you sometime last year about uh, insulating hives for the winter. And I know this is out of season, but his interview is wonderful. And like I said, I think it's about the March 18th episode of Two Bees and a Podcast. I, I enjoy that podcast. The other podcast I've listened to recently and, and gotten a lot of enjoyment out of is Honey Bee Obscura. And that is by Jim Tew and Kim Flottam, I, I believe those are the two that are doing it. And it's funny because when it started off, I listen, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, they're just going to talk about um, beginner topics again. <laughs> you know, after you've been in a few years, you're like, okay, here we go again. But the great thing about really experienced beekeepers talking about even beginner topics is that they will just throw in a little aside and as a more experienced beekeeper, you're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed to know. <laughs> or I'd wondered about that. Or, oh, I'm going to try that. And so I will listen to a lot of the same old, same old beekeeper stuff again, if they throw in those kind of, those kind of tips. And that's what I have found wonderful um, about uh, some of their episodes. There are actually quite a few new podcasts out there about bees. I've subscribed to several on my phone to kind of check them out. As always, my my favorites tend to be Beekeeping Short and Sweet by Stuart Spings. I like two bees in a podcast, but Kevin England in the Beekeeper's Corner is one of my all-time favorite. I don't know. Yeah, it's just so enjoyable. And whenever he has a new episode, I just kind of set it aside like, oh, when I have a special listening time or particularly that I just need to relax. I find it very relaxing. So lots of good podcasting going on out there. Well, now I'm rambling, so I will just wrap this up. I really am going to give it my best shot to tell you the whole convoluted story about the incredible Layens Hive. I am so in love with the Layens Hive. I will not be using the Layens Hive exactly, but I hope my holy grail is to somehow adapt the concepts to a frame that is cross-compatible with my Langstroth's and then I can just die happy. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you that whole story. Have a wonderful, wonderful week wherever you are in the world and in your bee yard and in your life. I am wishing you well. Look forward to talking to you again soon.